Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome on this beautiful spring day. Um, I'm Lisa Stearns. I'm the Vice Chancellor of Marketing and Communications with the Institute of Agriculture. And we are here with Dr. Tim Cross for our third week of Fireside Chats. We're really um, happy to have you here um, to talk about issues of this week related to uh, the COVID pandemic. So a couple of housekeeping items. Remember that your audio is automatically muted. If you would keep it that way, we'd appreciate it. Um, also, you can use the chat function uh, to ask any questions. Go ahead and put those in the chat. Um, if you'd like to send me the question privately, uh, it's Lisa Stern, so just um, you can send that to me that way and we'll get it to Dr. Cross. And just for those that cannot join us today, remember that uh, we are recording this session and it will be posted to the coronavirus website um, on the UTIA homepage. So uh, with that said, we're gonna jump right in. So Tim, first question is, uh, the governor obviously um, issued a stay at home mandate yesterday. So how can, um, or how would you assess uh, the Institute's reaction thus far um, to really enacting social distancing? Yeah, great. I, I suspect everyone saw the news yesterday afternoon, yesterday evening uh, about the, uh, the increased uh, restrictions uh, that Governor Lee has, has really encouraged all of us to follow. And in fact, required is now the, the word being used uh, in the executive order. So basically, the order says, uh, effective uh, last night, we are required to stay at home unless we're conducting essential activities or providing essential services. And the good news is that's what we've been doing really for the past two to three weeks. Uh, higher education uh, is one of those uh, services that is deemed essential. So what we have done already is to really trim back uh, the, the uh, on-site work that's required. We've encouraged everyone to work from home that possibly can. And really everybody's done a phenomenal job of that. Uh, we've really made a huge uh, impact uh, in terms of the numbers of folks uh, working on-site or in their offices. And that's a good thing. That means we're doing our part to help uh, reduce or prevent the spread of coronavirus. So by and large, uh, the, the announcement last night, I'm not gonna say it had no impact. Uh, what we're gonna do is continue to encourage everyone who possibly can to work from home, uh, to be uh, in, in alignment with, uh, with Governor Lee's order. But uh, other than that, we won't see any major or drastic changes beyond what we've already done. Because again, I think the good news is we'd already taken the steps that, that really uh, were gonna be required uh, in order to comply with an order like this. And thus far, you said we've only had one confirmed case? Yeah, so that's the really good news. You know, it, sometimes when you're sitting at home alone wondering, <laughs> am I really doing anything to, to help this situation? Uh, you are, and we all are, because uh, to date, uh, we have still only had one positive case throughout the Institute of Agriculture, at least that's been reported. And that's certainly good news. Uh, we uh, certainly, uh, hope that that's exactly the way that number stays. And by doing our part to, to have proper social distancing and to stay apart, uh, I'm confident that we'll continue to be successful in that regard. So 
really, really good news uh, that we have not seen uh, a lot of outbreak uh, throughout the Institute. So we also saw the announcement that um, summer classes would be uh, going online. How long in your estimation do you think um, online instruction will continue? Well, you may have seen the announcement uh, uh, just earlier this week that summer classes are all gonna be offered only uh, online. So there will be no resident uh, participation on campus uh, with regard to uh, summer courses. And really the idea of, of that is to give the campus a time to completely clean out, if you will. There are still students who have belongings in the dorms who have been unable to, to come and retrieve them. So the dorms really haven't been uh, put back uh, in a good uh, state of uh, sanitation yet at this point. So by moving to online uh, delivery for the summer, that will provide a, a chance for the campus at least to really uh, take care of business, uh, make sure everything is clean and, and sanitized, and be in the best possible position to hopefully welcome back students this fall. Now the next question then is, okay, well, what about other events uh, that, that may be going on? I, I expect uh, very soon to hear an announcement that, that public uh, events uh, sponsored by the university uh, will likely be postponed uh, or canceled uh, through the summer term as well. Uh, to coincide with the online delivery of courses. So at this point, uh, I, I would anticipate that's a, a strong possibility. Now again, that, that's campus, uh, and we can determine what makes the most sense for our off-campus facilities, but if the dorms are closed here on campus, that certainly has a, a major direct impact on some of our campus-oriented uh, programs or activities that would have normally occurred this summer. I know Dr. Loveday and Dr. Burns are looking at some of those with regard to youth development activities, and we'll need to be considering you know, what, what to do uh, with regard to uh, all of those kinds of programs. And I believe uh, at this point, what we hope to do is make some firm uh, decisions, if you will, by no later than May 1st about public uh, events uh, that would be university sponsored uh, for the summer. It's really hard to have a good crystal ball right now. None of us wanna uh, miss out on those great events and activities that we do uh, starting about this time of year and that really, uh, really reach a peak uh, probably uh, in the summertime um, from field days to summer camping to uh, 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 on-farm demonstrations, you name it, there's a lot that happens uh, and then, of course, the on-campus uh, activities that normally are, are conducted. Uh, we're going to have to take a good, hard look at all of those. I'd, I'd remind everybody about our priorities, and our number one priority was protecting health and safety of employees, students, and those that we serve. So I think we start from that perspective, and with what we know today, uh, it's, it's really hard to see uh, anything getting substantially better in the next several weeks. But uh, let's hope uh, we're pleasantly surprised. Let's hope we really move out of this as quickly as we seem to move into it. And, and we can always reassess. So uh, it is possible to, to uh, you know, consider decisions as we go. It's also, though, pretty difficult to plan something uh, with only one or two weeks notice. And so uh, it's, it's a challenge to make the decision at the right time, not too soon, not too late in order to be effective in, in how we go forward. I've probably talked all around that question, but 
Uh, at this point, I think we're still obviously committed to having no public events through the end of April. Uh, and then we'll reconsider uh, what, uh, what we do uh, going forward for both May, uh, June, and July. So those, those are decisions that we haven't made yet, but uh, we'll really be hard pressed uh, to put those off much longer. Um, Tim, I'm getting a number of uh, emails that people are having trouble logging in. Um, and so if you are with a workmate who or, or can uh, communicate with somebody, the domain name, name does need to be Tennessee. Uh, I think it defaults to UTIA and it needs to say Tennessee. So um, if you can share that with your coworkers, that would be great. Um, and yeah, let me just touch on that for just a second, too. There's been some troubles uh, throughout the uh, nation, actually, with uh, Zoom bombing. Maybe some of our IT folks who are on with us today could describe that a little more. But people who just jump into a Zoom session who are not a part of it, who are not even affiliated with the organization, and then uh, make very disruptive statements or actually take over the screen, dominate the chats, and so forth. Uh, I didn't want our experience to be negatively impacted in that way, and so we turned on the, the security required uh, option for this session today. And for those of you doing your own sessions that maybe involve any more than just a handful of people, uh, I, I would recommend you give that serious consideration for the future, too. Uh, no need for that kind of major disruption. Right. Um, so you were talking about events. I uh, thought you might want to mention that some are already starting to think uh, a little bit outside of the box. <laughs> you might mention um, the plans for Milan Field Day. Yeah, obviously uh, one of the things we do, again, starting in the spring and all the way through the fall is field days at our uh, 10 research and education centers. And I know that uh, there, there are thoughts about uh, maybe converting some of those to a virtual uh, or online format. And I think that's wise to be thinking about that. Again, uh, having a perfect crystal ball is almost impossible. So what we don't wanna do is, is be caught without any, any plans, thoughts, or ideas at all. If we think about what we're trying to achieve and then think about can we do it in some different way, that's probably the thought process uh, to follow rather than being totally locked into doing things exactly as we've always done and then simply saying, okay, we can't do it, we're throwing up our hands. I've seen great examples of that uh, uh, throughout the Institute already. And granted, uh, the experiences might not be the same in some different uh, venue or delivery format, but can we achieve the educational objectives? Can we achieve the, uh, the engagement objectives that we have in doing some of those events if we do them a different way? So I think that's really, uh, how these are being looked at, and we can uh, gain some experiences that, again, position us better for the future to enable to do some things in a different way. So, um, one change that also happened this week is that there's some new federal uh, rules in place for those with specific issues uh, due to COVID. Um, can you address uh, those new rules? Yeah, that was presidential order uh, or federal rules that were published about a week ago, I believe. And, and there's a lot of complexity around that, but basically it established uh, leave for employees who had uh, a positive case of, of COVID-19 or who were providing care for such a person or who were unable to work at home. Uh, 
or work remotely from, from their work site. There's a whole lot more guidance associated, but those are generally the, the rules that were put forth uh, for that uh, federal leave. And, you know, my, my uh, sincere uh, approach uh, would be to say, look, first and foremost, we're doing everything I can to help everyone uh, to be able to work uh, remotely. Uh, let's take that route first. Uh, if that's not possible, then you need to talk with your supervisor uh, to explore if, if you're prevented from work uh, due to COVID-19 directly. And let's think uh, then as to whether uh, there might be a need or an opportunity to use that federal leave. But uh, otherwise, really, we're, we're still emphasizing uh, working remotely from home uh, so that uh, we are not uh, utilizing leave and we are continuing then to be operational and continuing to serve our education, extension, and research uh, mission at the same time. Okay. Um, did um, Doug Bonner want to say a few words on that? or is Doug, yeah, I think it'd be really helpful. This is really an HR uh, issue, and, and uh, Doug Bonner uh, leading our uh, institute, uh, Human Resources Functions, may want to make a few comments. Doug's having trouble apparently getting in. We've had quite a few people apparently are um, having issues trying to get into the to the session today. So obviously our recording will be available to everybody on um, on our uh, site. So so um, we did get a question uh, that does relate to some of the things you've talked about. We got this um, early on, and that was. Um, a faculty member was asking if the if they have field work that they can do by keeping a distance, is that still permitted? And if so, do they need some sort of documentation to show um, that if they were to be stopped or questioned by someone, would they need documentation? So there, there's really two major elements of that question. The first question is, uh, should field work continue, I believe? And uh, it, again, it's not a blanket yes or no answer. It's, it's an answer that basically is it depends. And it depends on whether it can be done safely, uh, whether uh, it can be done under the approval of your supervisor. Uh, and if those two answers are yes, then I believe it can continue. Uh, but we're also, again, encouraging everyone to the extent possible not to be out and about. Uh, think about the Again, the purpose of the governor's order, it's to keep people from, from roaming around the state uh, and from spreading this uh, virus. So to the extent possible, we want to uh, you know, manage or minimize uh, the amount of uh, contacts that we're having. But if it's essential research and if we don't start it or initiate it or continue it right now, uh, it's really detrimental to our research mission, then can we do it in such a way that we have social distancing and have uh, good safety and protections. If it's gonna happen at the research and education centers, we certainly need to involve the, the rec directors uh, in making those uh, decisions. And, and again, make sure uh, it's uh, consistent with what your supervisor uh, suggests as well. The second part of that question was, well, do we need paper uh, that, that illustrates that we're university employees and that we're doing essential uh, work? Uh, this morning, we were on a call with Commissioner Hatcher, uh, and towards the end of that call, he actually got a text from the governor because I believe uh, that, that question had been put forth to the governor's office. And the, the answer was, uh, there is not a need for documentation. 
uh, and the governor at the state level has not uh, mandated nor, nor indicated a requirement for any kind of documentation. Uh, I would think uh, anybody that has a, a university ID, that would certainly be evidence of university employment. And as we talked about a little earlier, uh, higher education is deemed an essential service. Uh, so uh, I think it is certainly possible to, to illustrate that you're an employee and you are carrying out essential functions. In local uh, uh, jurisdictions, there may be more stringent uh, guidelines in place, but uh, remember too that the, the executive order allows for essential activities, and those activities include going to the grocery store and purchasing fuel for your automobile and things like that. So I really uh, would be surprised if there's a lot of um, you know, massive uh, roadblocks or traffic stops, uh, you know, stopping each and every person, but it's certainly possible. And if anyone has asked for such documentation, again, I'd suggest they contact their supervisor, float that information up uh, so that we can respond. We can certainly provide a, a letter that provides evidence uh, of employment. Uh, and if we need to, we can perhaps go a little further than that. But uh, at this time, we've been told that's really not necessary. So someone has asked for clarification. The university is considered essential. Is that correct? Higher education is considered essential. And it really says, if you read the act, uh, and it's not uh, Executive Order 23, I think you have to go to, back to Executive Order 17. Uh, it, it defines higher ed essential services as being those that serve students, that provide critical ongoing research, and that you know, contribute to facilities and community uh, services. So it, it's not a blanket statement that everything continues as usual. Uh, it's really, it's essential from the standpoint of do, doing those functions. So that's why, again, we've encouraged everyone possible to work from home. Uh, and then those that really are doing things that cannot possibly be done from home, uh, we, we are defining those as, as essential services for higher education that do need to continue. So I hope that provides a little bit more guidance on that. Uh, and, and again, uh, if you feel like uh, you're, uh, you know, not, not being told a clear, consistent message, uh, please, you know, make sure again, those questions get expressed to your supervisor and on up to uh, our uh, administrative offices so that we can provide, uh, you know, as, as clear a message as possible. Uh, so we have not closed down offices. We have not closed down campus. Uh, we have asked everyone possible to work from home, and we are still uh, providing as much uh, of that uh, uh, education, research, and service as we possibly can from home. But if it's critical uh, tasks that have to be done in person, uh, those can still continue. Um, so someone is asking, or several people actually are asking about uh, clarification on travel. And the question is, is an exception um, needed for essential travel? Uh, some felt that they were told on the front end that you needed to receive um, some sort of an exception um, in order to be allowed to, to do domestic travel. Yeah, so there is still a, a ban on travel, if you will, uh, and that is gonna remain in place indefinitely, obviously. Uh, if we don't want people traveling even within their community, uh, we, we certainly don't want to encourage it across state lines or across uh, uh, national uh, borders either. 
However, if there's a really critical uh, travel um, related uh, need related to employment, uh, that can still be requested as an exception. Uh, I would say uh, it can go to the uh, email that address that's shown there in the chat, or it again could be sent to your supervisor who in turn can, can forward that uh, to the appropriate uh, Dean's office uh, for, uh, for review and consideration. I'll, I'll also say that there have been very few exceptions granted uh, in the last several weeks. So again, thinking back to our priorities, what are our priorities? Uh, protecting health and safety. Uh, we're trying to do everything we can to ensure that. And Tim, I believe uh, Doug was able to uh, get on the Zoom call by phone. So Doug, did you want to say a few words about uh, the new federal rules? Maybe he's on. Oh, it looks like uh, he has to be unmuted. Mike Stanley, can you, uh, uh, Doug, we might need to know what your phone number is. <laughs> it's not Friday the 13th, is it? <laughs> yeah, if I knew what his phone number was, I could unmute him. Let me see. <laughs> Doug, you might be able to type it into the chat or I can, uh, Maybe pull it up here. In the meantime, uh, um, asterisk six to unmute. Uh, here he says, um, Hi, I just got an unmuted message. There we go. There we go. Welcome, Mr. Bonner. Thanks for joining well, us. Sorry you had trouble. Well, thank you. No worries. Um, my only concern is I finally got in by phone just in time to hear you say, I believe Doug Bonner's on the call and um, I welcome him to add anything. So unfortunately, I'm not sure what you did say. Uh, so I'm not really sure where to pick up and, and add any value, but I'd be happy to um, stay unmuted and respond to any questions there might be. Well, Doug, let me give a quick synopsis. Uh, and basically we were talking about the federal leave and, and what I summarized and didn't do a very complete job of was saying that the federal leave was really designed for those who had uh, a health issue with regard to COVID-19, were caring for someone with a COVID-19 issue, or were prevented from, from work uh, in any way, shape, or form. And that I indicated we were really encouraging folks uh, to, to really not go that route, to do everything they could to be engaged at work, but that if uh, they were under those circumstances, they could contact their supervisor, and clearly they could contact you or any of our uh, HR team as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you, um, you hit all the high points with that. The, um, the intent is not to, to um, encourage people to, to, to necessarily take this offering unless there's a critical need for it. And I say that only because as, as an organization, we really do want to keep people fully engaged in work, even if that does mean that they're working in a remote location. The other thing to keep in mind is that although these offerings are paid, the only one that offers full pay is if someone is experiencing COVID-related symptoms or are diagnosed as positive themselves. The other offerings are a reduced rate. So I, you know, my hope, as you said, is that we can keep everyone fully working to every extent possible so that, um, this is not a path that they would, you know, need to pursue. But it is important that everyone knows that it's available. 
that you know in the chance or on the chance that they do need it and to your point i would ask anyone to you know certainly reach out to their supervisor but then partner with whoever their hr unit person is as well and we'd be happy to help great thanks uh, that that helps me anyway doug and again it's a complex uh, set of rules but uh, we want to make sure since it was uh, announced publicly that, that we we told you that we're aware of these uh, options as well. Exactly. Yeah, thank you. So it does not look like we have any more questions uh, from our audience. Um, so Tim, one thing is you give some final thoughts. Um, can you share any ideas on ways that all of us can help uh, during this crisis? Yeah, good. So I'll, I'll address that and also just make a few wrap-up remarks. Uh, and, and also, uh, I noted Dr. English said uh, there's not much of a campfire or not much of a fire here today, too warm for it. Uh, when I did the first of these a couple weeks ago, I thought that would be the first of one, but uh, here we are uh, continuing. Uh, Bert, I'm going to have to figure out some way to get a fire in here, I guess, to be more authentic. Uh, in the meantime, though, uh, I have had a number of folks say, gosh, how can we help? And, and not, not help from the standpoint of doing their job. I know you're all doing that. But uh, how can we help others on a more personal basis? I've got a couple ideas, and there may be uh, you know, more thoughts uh, developed over the next couple of weeks. One, uh, you've probably seen some about. Uh, there's a fund been established called uh, uh, Vols Helping Vols, uh, and it's really a fund being developed to support our students. Uh, if you think about it, uh, they're, they're not going through a very good experience right now. Many of them uh, are unable to continue their jobs uh, in spite of the, the efforts we put forth to keep them employed. Uh, they're at home. They're taking courses from their bedroom. <laughs> Wasn't the experience they signed up for. Uh, so, you know, they've got a number of different challenges. Uh, a fund has been developed uh, for those individuals that want to contribute to uh, supporting those students and, and their financial needs. Uh, it's really gained a lot of momentum. Uh, and so one option for helping is supporting our students. Uh, second option I just became aware of yesterday, and that was the College of Veterinary Medicine. You know, they, they remain uh, operational from the standpoint of uh, providing urgent and emergency care. Uh, animals continue to have, you know, serious health issues, uh, even during coronavirus and our vet school is still taking the, the most critical and, and emergency cases uh, that may come about. They're running short on personal protective equipment, in particular masks, and so they've asked if anybody has homemade ma masks uh, or other masks that, that they might be able to use, uh, they would appreciate receiving those. So two ideas that have come forth so far. I know we've got some uh, various groups around the state making homemade masks, and I'm sure not going to tell them what to do with them, but if they're looking for a home for some of those masks, we might be able to help out. Uh, as, as some of you might have some ideas on ways to help others, uh, please don't hesitate to share those ideas. Uh, I know everybody's probably feels like they're doing as much as they possibly can already, but there may be a, a little bit of, of other uh, things we could do on the margin to really make a difference for some of our communities. So uh, I see that uh, Christy uh, Keogh Blackman just shared a, a link about making masks. Uh, and uh, I'd encourage anybody who has those skills, which would not be me, uh, to uh, take that up. Uh, great uh, 4-H youth development uh, opportunity, I suspect. Our FCE groups are probably uh, 
uh, in many cases excited about those. So uh, good ideas there. Let me also just say uh, from a personal sort of point of view, after working at home for two weeks, um, I, I think I mentioned the Maytag repairman last week. Well, the, I, I, I'm feeling much more lonely than Maytag repairman this week. Uh, it's really been a, a transition for me, having spent my whole life, really uh, my whole career, uh, traveling, going from office to office, event to event, uh, interacting with hundreds of people uh, every week, and all of a sudden, it's just me. Uh, it really feels a little odd. And the longer this goes on, the, the more odd it feels. I thought I might get adjusted. I don't know if any of you are feeling that way or not. But uh, the other thing that I started to experience is when your office is your home, you can't ever leave work uh, because <laughs> it's always there, right? Uh, and I have to really uh, sort of force myself to close email. Uh, and that to me is sort of like clocking out, but darn if I don't find myself walking by the computer and jump back on just to see what's happened in the last 30 minutes. And uh, you know, that takes a toll too. If you can never get away from work, uh, it's really challenging. So uh, my challenge to you, which is also a challenge to me is to uh, find some ways to get away. Appreciate all that you're doing uh, and, and want that to continue but it doesn't have to continue 24 hours a day. We have to take care of ourselves. This is gonna be a long-term situation, not an overnight deal. We can't you know, gut our way through this. We've got to be uh, really practical about this, pace ourselves, uh, take care of our families, uh, take care of ourselves and, and be around uh, for the long-term in order to uh, serve those that we're serving. So uh, I, I hope each of you will take advantage of what looks to be a nice, warm, sunny day uh, later this evening and, and throughout the weekend. Uh, have some opportunities to enjoy yourselves, get some, some fresh air outdoors, six feet away from everybody, and uh, enjoy your weekend, enjoy your family, and uh, we'll hope to uh, uh, not have too many more of these fireside chats, but as long as uh, this goes on, I, I, it really helps me to connect with you and and I hope you feel the same. I want to thank you again for all that you're doing and tell you that our leadership team continues to work hard thinking about what's best, about what's good for, for those we serve as well as for our workforce. They're doing a great job. Uh, and it's thanks to the work that you're doing that they're able to focus on those things. So I uh, wish everybody the best. Have a great weekend uh, and take care. Thanks, Tim.